Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Ath Geeks Podcast, the podcast where athletes and geeks collide. I'm Adrian, and that is Spin, and we just hope that y'all are having a wonderful Friday morning, and we would like to thank you for making time to listen to this podcast, and whether it's part of your daily routine, weekly routine, whatever. How you doing today, Spin? I'm doing good, man. You know, I listen to a lot of the pods, so I just wanted to drop in on one of them and give my two cents. As usual. Not drop in on them when you've been on like eight episodes. <laughs> Not recently, oh, but yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah, it hasn't been recent. Um, We're coming back to continue the draft redraft. So I think we're on 2018. Um, Wiley and Shamari couldn't join us today. Uh, Shamari, you know, he's busy working. Wiley's busy cooking. We got other things to do. So it's just the two of us today, but we're bringing it back, and we're going to continue on, hopefully, to 2017 next week. But we'll see how the schedules align. Um, I'll let you have the first pick because I feel like that's pretty obvious. Unless you want me to have the first pick, either way, I feel like the pick is fairly obvious. Yeah, I think the Suns would uh, they would just go ahead and take Luca. I mean, they took eight, and then he's a really good player. But Luca is uh, probably one of the best players in the league and MVP candidate. And so I think him next to Booker, he could handle the rock and run the offense, and they would. They would probably they wouldn't have been one of the worst teams in the league even after that. They would have been probably immediately way better. So, oh, absolutely. You see what happens when you just gave him a a good point guard around it. Even though CP brings more than just being a good point guard, but having somebody else try to facilitate and do a lot of that work because we saw when I don't remember what year it was when they tried to move Devin Booker the point guard. They like started having him run the point guard, bring the ball up the court, and he was trying to do that. And it seemed like it was too much for him because yeah, it's he was a lot too busy. Cause, to... Yeah, because it takes away from your scoring. And exactly. I like him, you just want him to focus on scoring. And it's not a lot of people who can do, like, the full-time playmaking and then still give <clears throat> still give you, like, 25-plus a game. That's a lot on an every-game basis. So. Exactly. That's the thing. It's like, so he couldn't focus on scoring. Anything. And you saw whenever – um. They brought in Ricky Rubio. They tried that. And Ricky Rubio did a pretty good job of facilitating everything. He couldn't stay healthy and stuff. And then you saw when he had a decent point guard and everything, he was just focused on scoring in that bubble run. He was cooking. So everybody knows Devin Bucket can score. Yeah, it's exactly. just they needed somebody to facilitate and run the <clears> offense. <throat> and having somebody like uh, Luca there to facilitate and score, that'd be, that'd be tough for any defense to deal with. Their offense would be amazing. Yeah, and then like every every year they were aggressively trying to get a veteran point guard, and they like they fell short, so they had to settle for like Rubio, and then they would have a lot of younger point guards like that didn't really fill the void. So yeah, so and it's like you had Luca right there, and nobody ever faults them. <clears throat> Mainly people fault um, Sacramento for skipping over Luca. Nobody really usually faults. Yeah, Phoenix. I don't think I don't think they made a mistake in. Aiden because he's a really good player who could be an all-star and that, mm-hmm. that fit a need too. But yeah, yeah like exactly. I said, it, the onus falls more on the Kings because they, uh, they got Bagley who wasn't a bad player, but he's like not even close to what Luca is. Yeah. He's not bringing enough to where Luca is and the Sacramento Kings aren't good enough to where it can get passed over. Cause the, you know, Phoenix bag, I mean, um, 
Aiden's only putting up like media. He's been putting not. I, I can't. I'm not, I almost said media. He's putting up average numbers. Like he's putting up like sixteen and ten. So it's nothing like all star level. But he can potentially get there. He's yeah. not there yet. But he's not putting up like some bum numbers. He's just putting up average, cool numbers for a center. Obviously not Luca numbers. And then you got Bagley who's putting up like. 14 and like seven or something like that or 14 and eight or whatever he's putting up something like that and it's like okay if the kings were winning and he had a better impact on them winning then i feel like nobody would care but since they're still a poverty team it's like why would you take them and even if you didn't take luca there's other bigs further down in the draft who are playing better right now yeah, but I mean, going into that draft, Bagley was pretty much seen as a top three pick and stuff, but it was questions about how he would um kind of transition because he's not really good on defense and not like a super athletic dude. I mean, he's a scorer, but he's not going to like like kill on rebounds or like blocking shots or nothing like that. So Yeah, we see that now, but you know what's crazy? That <clears throat> didn't used to be how it was. Coming out of, I remember he, I remember he reclassified out of high school because at first Michael Porter Jr. was the number one player coming out of high school. Marvin Bagley reclassified, took over from Michael Porter Jr. He was the number one player. Yeah. I remember when they were all over, like Bar- Bagley was headed to Duke and everything. He was playing in all those summer league. He's like the um, what's it called what's it called the Drew League. He was playing in the Drew League, and um, Michael Porter Jr. was playing in the Seattle whatever Jamal Crawford's thing was. Yeah. And the I remember, crossover, I think. yeah, it's the crossover, or whatever. Uh, Bagley was hooping because you know NBA players show up to that Julie thing, and it was like it's not like crazy, like superstar, all star NBA player. It was just like average NBA players, like Denzel Valentine, people that's on a bench and stuff like that. They're like they had just normal, you know, people, but they're still NBA players. And yeah. Bagley was in there killing everybody, and Bagley was supposed to be the next big thing. He had comparisons to Kevin Garnett and everything. He went to Duke. He just did what he did at Duke. And everybody's expecting him to be that generational big man, like the modern-day big who could stretch the floor, could score on all three levels, and play the average defense. But yeah. um, it just I – don't, I don't know what happened. It just didn't pan out. I think he's I a good talent, but I think if he ends up going to, like, another team, maybe a better team where he's uh, maybe – I don't know, because he can – He's kind of a weird player, but he can still score really good. So I don't think his career is over where he can't be a really good player. But in the NBA, you kind of like are what you are. So unless he jumps drastically, I think he'll be like a really solid player, but not like great. Yeah, maybe if he, yeah, maybe with the change of like scenery, he could transform to a different type of player and he might actually reach that potential we thought he had. But I guess we'll never know until we see it. Because like I said, I just remember Marvin Bagley and Michael Porter Jr. had crazy hype. You weren't even talking about anybody else from this class, really, besides those two, because the mm-hmm. hype between those two was crazy. And it's just And that's crazy also kind of why, like, Luca. I mean, he was still taking that three, but it's kind of like that seems even way lower just because, you know, people are always skeptical of the Euro guy and they're going to go towards the guy that's on American soil. Cause they know a lot more, but yeah. Luca was MVP of his league and stuff. So yeah, that's the difference. Like that's why I said that was a difference because a lot of those European players, they play in like smaller leagues. They don't play in like the Euro Euro league. They play in smaller leagues 
they play okay. You know, they put up de- decent numbers, but none of them are like MVPs, all stars, and dominating the Euro League like Luca was. Like, we haven't seen anybody actually come over like that that was just dominating overseas and yeah, then exactly. came over here. Like, they're usually just average. Like, you see those high school players that go overseas right away. And they usually play at weaker leagues, and they don't put up crazy numbers. And if they yeah. like, they put up okay numbers it's on usually poor efficiency. And exactly, they're, not they're even still on pros. NBA level, but yeah, they're still pros. So you see that, and then you see somebody like that, and the Euro League's the second best league in the world, and you see somebody like that balling really there. Young I age, like yeah, I don't see where the confusion. I I felt Luca was gonna be good. I just I didn't know he was gonna be this good. Like everybody was talking about, oh yeah, Luca this, Luca. I was like, yeah, Luca's probably gonna be like a really really good player because he's doing that. But I don't think anybody saw him being this great this fast, yeah, this early, and like it's yeah. and all they used to talk about was like you know his IQ and how he just really understood the game at a young age. And like, you, you see it now, like he plays, like he can control a game cause he can slow it down, take people one-on-one, but he's so smart. He'll like find open people. And he has a lot of different ways of scoring. Really the only like weakness in his offensive game is probably the three where it's not bad. It's like, okay, but it's not like, but some games he'll go off, but really his mid range and inside is where he's like doing a lot of damage scoring wise. Exactly. That three ball is still coming along. His free throw is still coming along as well. But that I like that you brought up the point of him slowing the game down. Because I feel like that's something a lot of stars and a lot of superstars like learn later on when they get older and everything. Like when they're young, it's hard for them to understand. They're like, yeah, we can score. We can do X, Y, and Z. But they don't really understand how to control the game. Just scoring a lot and doing everything like that. You're not really controlling the game but they know how to like slow it down where they need to play slow and they need to play fast, whatever, but they make the opponent play their style of the game and play to their pace and everything like that. It's kind of like, I mean, not on the same level, but similar to LeBron where LeBron can pay play at a fast pace, but he'll also slow the game down and he'll like post people up and find the open man and stuff like that. So, Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's a, it's, we definitely, the, the league's in good hands. League's in real good hands with Luca and especially with this draft class. So, but we've been on the number one pick for a while. Let's jump over to number two, which would be me. And I'm taking Michael Porter Jr. Taking Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, I know it could also be controversial because he's not, he's going to need, like, you know how they had the work him in. He's just now starting to play, like, last year and this year. You didn't really see him. So, you know, you're going to have to sit him for a year and a half at least uh, because of his injury. Because he came into the draft hurt, and that's why his draft stock fell. He came in hurt, and nobody knew what was going to happen. So, knowing he comes in hurt, you're going to have to sit him for a year and a half. Um. I think they take it. The Kings aren't good anyway. So them take them sitting in for a year and a half and then seeing some people in the 2019 draft. Only thing that I see that I just see that helps you. You let Michael Porter, like kind of like the 76ers did with their, with in beating them. You let them sit, you let them recover, you let them rest. And then you kind of just keep like stacking draft talent while your stars are resting. And then when they come back, you blow up like you did. Like they did. So you yeah, had I Ben Simmons hurt and everything like especially that. Especially a rebuilding team. I think, I mean, people want immediate impact, but I'm always a fan of taking like the talent, even if he's hurt. Cause like with the Wizards sitting there at, uh, four t- at 15, I was like begging so hard for him to drop and he got to take, 
taken one pick before, but I would have been cool if he sat out the whole year because that's just how talented he is as a player. So exactly. So it's like that's how it's like it's a hit and miss, especially because that's what the draft is anyway. You there's nobody else. You never know what the player is going to go to. You this player might be an all star. This player might be a superstar. And unless you're already like a contending team. Like, like, unless like a really good team, like they traded for a pick and everything like that, and they're early in the draft, I always think you should go with the boom or bust pick, like the higher potential pick, because you're a rebuilding team anyway. If you miss on it, you're rebuilding. You can try again next year. I don't think you should go safe. The safer picks are for the teams that are like you know already established. So they're they're like they go for the safe pick. That player, he's not going to be a superstar ever, but he'll probably have a twelve-year career. So okay, they can be a role player for my team. And so I would take Michael Porter Jr. Let De'Aaron Fox have one more year by himself in with Buddy and everything. Or what Buddy came next year, didn't he? Oh no, no, Buddy was already there. Buddy was before, yeah. Yeah, so Buddy was already there. So um, I got confused for a second. So you have Buddy and Fox. Let them do their thing. Get another top five pick next year and go with it. Get another player. Then Michael Porter Jr. comes back, and you're all in business. I feel like that would be the best move. I don't know who you – Like, oh, do you agree or would you, or you would have thought that the Kings should have went elsewhere? Um. <clears throat> No, nah, I think that's a really good pick. I think it was either between him or Jaron Jackson, but I think you can't really go wrong with either. I think yeah. Jaron Jackson for the immediate impact, but yeah, Michael Porter is a down the line player. He was like a, one of the most talented in the draft. So, so I I can understand the Jaron Jackson pick as well. Um, let's go to number three. Who do you? Okay, so how do you want to do this? Atlanta has the pick, but they traded it to Dallas. You want to go with the trade scenario, or do you want them to stay with their pick? Um, how do you want to do it? We can just have Atlanta stay there if you want. Okay, okay, Atlanta can stay there then. So who who do you have Atlanta taking? Uh, Atlanta would just take the same person, Trey Young. Yeah, so that's a smart pick. They, 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 yeah. So we don't really have. <laughs> I mean, and they were they were happy to even. They, because I guess they knew like who the teams were going to pick, so the trade really worked out for both teams. I know people try to say like Atlanta got worked or whatever because Luke, how good Luca is, but they still dropped and got an extra pick, and then they ended up getting an All Star with it. So, and he's yeah, kind of changed how that changed that team around because they were like they were really good for much of the 2010s, and then they went through a couple bad years, and they um they got their due to jumpstart and lead their new rebuild and he's been a really good player for them so yeah i definitely feel like that's the best second option um especially for the immediate impact you already see how atlanta's playing this year they're a playoff team well so you see you see the impact in trey young's leading the way trey young offensively is one like a you know he's one of the top point guards in the league offensively Mm -hmm. he's still gonna always get picked on defensively he's still gonna struggle on that aspect but offensively He's amazing. There's really not much you can't do on the floor, on the court. He can facilitate. He can score at all three levels. He can do it all in that regard. And I think he's he's taken a he's been a lot better because like they were I was watching like they played them the Wizards played them the last two games and they were talking about how he's taken a lot less threes because yeah he could shoot coming out of college but he used to jack a lot when he was in his first two years and now he's. I think he leads the league in floaters. So, like, he's really good at getting to that middle part and either, like, throwing, like, lobs to Capella or Collins or just taking the mid-range of the floater. So, 
he's second in the league in assists, so he's just probably he's one of the best point guards in the league. Just his downfall is his defense because his size, but the Hawks have built enough like defense around him that it kind of makes up almost like how the Warriors had, where they were like just put a good a lot of good defensive players around Steph. Yeah, I, I agree in that regard because um, it's kind of crazy because that was that was one of the complaints that Steph had early on. Like they were like he was going to shoot, but he wasn't going to be able to you know attack the basket. And that's something that Steph really learned how to do well. Excuse me, that's something Steph really learned how to do well. Because if you looked at the advanced stats, like Steph was an amazing finisher around the basket and that see that Trey Young's already getting there this young that just lets you know the sky's the limit because we already know he can shoot what we were worried about is if he was going to be able to finish around the rim and everything else and Mm -hmm. the fact that he's showing us that already lets us know that he's going to be okay because you can't overplay him you have to card him as soon as he crosses half court but you can't overplay him because his stop and pop um what's called floater is so immaculate around the mid-range area and when he gets through the bat when he gets around the basket he has so many lob threats with john collins and clint capella that there's not much you can really do it's either you're going to settle for his floater or you're going to guard the lob so we have i seen something on nba twitter where they say like i seen something the other day where somebody was saying like he knows how to twerk for fouls but i mean he's really good at getting fouls because like he'll get people in the air he can sell contact because he's so small which is another mm-hmm. it's a good <clears throat> it's a good thing and he's great at free throws so if he, if he gets to the line he's gonna make them too so exactly so it all works out so trey young is definitely a good third pick uh for the fourth pick in the Memphis Grizzlies, I went back and forth with this because Jared Jackson Jr. is a really good pick for them right here. However, I don't know if I can go with him still here. Um, I'm So I'm going to remix the pick a little bit, and I'm going to go with Shea Gilders-Alexander. Yeah, that's what I'm uh, saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with Shea only because even if they still turn out bad, Cause I don't, cause Shea's not going to be ready right away. As we saw, he wasn't ready right away. Um, he had to develop a little bit. The second year is when he kind of blew up better when he left and he went to um OKC. So, and we've seen Shea be able to play point guard and shooting guard. He, he's a he can play either position really well. So he, he can score on his own or he can facilitate. He can he can play off ball and be a catch and shoot player. He can do it all in those little guard positions. And not every guard can do that. A lot of guards, like a lot of like the complaint about James Harden is whenever, if you watching the Lakers game, when they were trapping him and everything, he, he, he gives, he passes the ball and he kind of just stands around. He kind of like, just, you know, takes himself out of the game. Yeah. When I've he doesn't have the ball in his hand. Where they were saying, just trap him and make him be off ball. And he's a lot less effective. Yeah, because he's not he's not an amazing off ball player. He, he he needs the ball in his hand. So it's like you see players like that who haven't figured out how to be effective on both sides. And you see Shea, he's like he can play on ball or off ball. And so that that really show like that brings his game to a whole nother level. And unless you him be able to play with anybody, like he can play. He can just be a plug and play guy with anybody. You don't have to match his personnel. So keeping Shea there and they still more likely be bad. Even if they don't get jaw next year, I think they'll be okay. But even if they do get jaw, like I said, they'll still be okay because you still have that one-two punch right there. Well, and so they still way, had they still had Conley at that time too, so he could have like either came off the bench or played some two with him yeah, too I, before they traded him. So. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So that's just that's just where I'm sticking. Um, who would you go with with the uh number? What are we five five pick? Are we? Yeah, Dallas is pick number five. Um, I think I'm just gonna go with the guy. I think I'm just gonna go ahead and take Aiden for the Mavs falling to five. I think that's a really good spot for him as somebody who averages a double double and he's starting to be. I think his main knock was his defense really coming in, but he's actually starting to be a lot better on defense with block shots and stuff. And he has like, you know, he has a little face up game. He can hit a couple threes here and there. So I think at the five, that's a, that's kind of a a really good value for him to fall that far. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Like Aiden is still a top talent on this in this draft and for the most part a lot of the people that we've picked over him are more so for fit and for a reason other than that other than just Aiden's not good enough to go in the top three you know because Aiden's still a good enough player to go there it's just these other players fit wise or however else it just makes more sense for them to go there yeah and he was probably the safest pick in the draft in terms of somebody you know who was going to at least be like a a pretty good NBA big. He might not have been like a superstar or nothing, but no, he wasn't going to be a bad player. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I definitely, I definitely can see the Aiden pick. Um, after this, we go to Orlando, and Orlando is not sticking with Mo Bamba because that pick <laughs> didn't make sense in the first place. Yeah, Literally made I've zero really, sense in the first I've place. I really like Orlando had a couple years where they were good, but then like all they were doing was just drafting like long defenders and it was like they need to get more scores so they already have Vucevic who was like coming into his own and they had Gordon and stuff so they just kept I mean they Jonathan were Jonathan Isaac yeah that's who they took after and like they were just taking like long defenders instead yeah. of just getting people to score like good players yeah it was, doesn't make sense I get they're trying to do they're trying to make like the they're trying to get a lot of people a lot of length and they could just be really good defensively and can switch everything but somebody has to score the ball and yeah, some exactly. there has to be some kind of spacing on the court so uh yeah I, I Orlando's definitely not sticking with Mo Bamba I'm gonna have them taking a guard they need a, a guard that can score and to help Busevich out and to go along with the rest of the defenders. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Colin Sexton. Yeah, that's a really good pick. Yeah, I just need somebody that cause Colin Sexton in that role, he can still do what he does at Cleveland where he's just focusing on scoring. He still needs to learn how to play, make and do everything else, but he can focus solely on scoring and the rest of his team kinda just makes up for him defensively. And I think that's, Sexton, you were saying what? No, I better say he's a 20-point-per-game scorer, so it's not like he can't score the ball. Yeah, and that's, like, literally what they needed because they have – Orlando had years where they had, like – I mean, they had Vooch leading the way, but they had Gordon who was really good. Fournier is a good, like, role player, but they didn't have, like, a guard who would just go out there and just score like crazy. They had, like, Alfred Payton who would run the offense and stuff, but they didn't have, like like you said, like a, just a scoring guy out there that could take over a game. So I think that would yeah. be a good pick. Exactly. I know Lonzo probably, I don't know how he would react to not having sex anymore. I know he doesn't like having 100 point guards on the roster, but I'm sure he'll make do. Um, Let's take a short break and we'll be right back.
And we are back. We didn't even get through that much in that first half. We were talking so much about all these picks. Hopefully the second half goes a little bit faster. Uh, I believe we were on the, what, the seventh pick now? The seventh pick, that's where we're at? Yeah. Okay, so that seventh pick in Chicago, it goes to you. Who do you have Chicago selecting? Um, I think I'm just going to go ahead and go with Jaron Jackson just because I feel like he's one of the best players in the draft and he fell to seven. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's why I had actually on my list. That's why I had Jared Jackson going because I felt like that would have been a good fit for him there. Did they take Lowry before or after this draft? Oh, uh, Lowry Marketing? Yeah. Uh, I am I not. Sure. I think sure. they took him before this draft, but I mean, they could still play Jackson. Well, no, nah, I'm not sure if he's a center. He could be a small ball five, but. Yeah, he could definitely because he's such a good um, defender. I feel like he could play small ball five, and Larry Markin is definitely not playing center because he's, you know, he's seven foot, but he's also extremely, extremely skinny. So I just don't. Yeah, and Larry was taking the draft right before this, so they had just taken Larry Markin. Larry Markin had a decent year, so you know, I think I think Jared Jackson could work, especially with how the NBA is today. There's nobody that really runs legit you know, back-to-basket bigs anymore. Like, he, he they fought, probably fall in trouble whenever they play Jokic or Joel Embiid, but what NBA team isn't getting in trouble when they play them? Yeah, exactly. Because um, think about just the big we took this draft. We took Robert Williams, who's an undersized big, who's smaller than Jared Jackson, and they both just defensive bigs, but Jared Jackson can spread the floor. So I would see it just being like that, and I don't think it'd be – too much of a you know push unless he was just like Anthony Davis and like was just so against it then I feel like him at small ball five wouldn't be a problem whatsoever I don't think the uh Bulls have a problem with him going right there yeah I think it would be a really good fit Mm-hmm. And it helps them a lot defensively. It, yeah. it makes their defense. Much I mean, they better. took Carter, who's a really good defender, but I mean, Darren Jackson is a is a really good two way player who can stretch the floor. He can dunk. He can do a little bit of everything on offense. So. Exactly. Wendell Carter's good, but he can't space the. <coughs> excuse me. He can't space the floor really. Yeah. And yeah, Wendell's only he has more weight than him, but he's still only like you know. Yeah, he's like six nine, I think. Actually, Darren Jackson yeah. is taller, so. But he has a lot more weight than him. <sighs> mm-hmm. So I think that I think they'd be fine in that regard. Um, and so with the eighth pick now, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, since Colin Sexton is already off the board, I'm gonna have them going with another a really a really small guy that can score the ball really well. I'm gonna have them going with Devonte Graham. I feel like yeah, even though he really slid to the yeah he slid to the second round. Because I don't obviously nobody knew he was really going to be like this, and him being undersized. But as we're seeing now, Devonte Graham is a really good scorer. Even though, even with his uh, size, we saw last year he exploded onto the scene. So him being in Cleveland, I don't see Cleveland really losing much having Devonte there instead of Colin Sexton. Yeah, and the, and the crazy thing about Graham was that like he won the Player of the Year award, so he was like really good in college. But he's like one of those. Um 
those older people coming out the draft, you know, they just fall because they're not like freshmen. Like the NBA usually wants freshmen coming out and stuff. So. Yeah, they want young guys and everything. That's the that's the problem with them. Like a lot of good players, they you know they just because they're young don't mean. I guess they go based off potential because they go off mm-hmm. the age. You're like you know once they hit like. 24 23 and they aren't a certain player then they give up on oh they're not going to reach their potential yeah they have to reach their potential by 25 yeah by 25 they are what they are even though a lot of people can still get better they just kind of be like uh whatever you are what you are moving on which doesn't really make a lot of sense but at the same time it's a business and you have to produce right away or you kind of get lost so um that's my uh, yeah, Devontae Graham. I feel like that's just the perfect pick for them. For number nine, you got New York. Who do you got New York taking? So New York took Knox. Yes, mm. and Ke- Kevin Knox is definitely, definitely not staying there. Kevin Knox is kind I was the biggest fan of Kevin Knox coming out too. Uh, I was a uh, because I used to watch him on home team hoops and everything. I used to watch all his mixtapes in high school. I was like. Oh, Kevin Knox is a dog. And then I had just watched Miles Bridges' mixtapes the year before. And, you know, Miles Bridges, he was still in this draft, but he stayed for a second year. And I was hoping Miles Bridges went after his freshman year, but he stayed a second year. And I was like, oh, Miles Bridges did X, Y, and Z. And now Kevin Knox is doing this. I was like, oh, Kevin Knox is just Miles Bridges, but with a better jumper. Yeah, and I was like, oh, exactly. Kevin Knox is going to explode onto the scene. He's going to be X, Y, and Z. And you know what's crazy? He had, he won, didn't he win like Summer League MVP or something like that? He was dominating in the Summer yeah. League. He was hooping. And then he just, and the Knicks gave him so many chances because he hooped in the Summer League. He got to New York. New York literally gave him as many shots, gave him a ton of minutes, and gave him as many shots as he wanted. They He didn't have to worry about anything. He just got the gun and got the shoot as much as he wanted, yeah, and, and he just teams, didn't produce. Yeah. You can't produce yeah. on them bad teams. It's kind of like maybe it just wasn't it. Yeah, maybe it just wasn't it because like we give you the opportunity, and it's like, okay, maybe he didn't. Then they try again the next year, and they're like, okay, he's really he's still not doing nothing, so he's not the guy. If he was the guy, we'd see the potential, but – He's just out there chucking and shooting bad shots, having bad habits. I don't know if, like, I don't, I don't want, I can't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, you had to put the blame on Kevin Knox. Like, I've seen some people put that blame on the Knicks organization because they were like, they taught him bad habits by allowing him, well, they let him uh, develop bad habits by going out there and just playing like that. But I'm like, I don't, they, they're letting him play, let him figure it out for himself. I don't feel like you can blame them for trying to give him the shot and letting him play. Yeah, I do also think the... the Knicks got a lot of similar type players too, which also didn't help because they would get yeah. a lot of like forwards and stuff. But I mean, yeah, if you can't at least, you ain't got to be a great player, but you, you, at least you can't show the ability to score, especially on a team that's always going to be down and always going to be, you know, they're just always going to be playing a bunch of youth because they aren't good. And you can't at least look like you, you like can be one of the better players on a team. Being a ninth pick is like, it's, it doesn't really look too good for you. Doesn't look too good at all. That's why he's about to be out of the Knicks and maybe out of the league soon if he don't turn it around. Yep. Just pretty crazy. But um yeah, so who 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 are you thinking? Um Let me see. I think I think I'm gonna lean towards Mitchell Robinson still, who they got with a later pick. They got him in the second round. Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. Uh, I think I think just because 
I think just because he's at least a specialist and that he's probably one, he's one of the best um, shot blockers in the NBA. And at least he sets the tone on defense, even when they were bad, like he was somebody who could, and even now he has a big impact where he can, you know, finish around the rim and he's at least established in that area where, you know, what he's going to do. Uh, I guess I can see where you're going with, with that. I was still leaning. I was leaning more towards miles bridges just because, like I said, I felt like Kevin Knox was just Miles Bridges with a better shot, but then he didn't pan mm. out. And Miles Bridges actually did pan out, and he's playing. We seeing him now as a like like late when he was he was balling out. He was balling, especially with Hayward being out. You know, he was off the bench for the most part of the season with Hayward going down and Lamelo was missing time. Miles Bridges was cooking it. He yeah. definitely cooked us, the Celtics. He cooked us when we played them, and it was very upsetting. Oh, yeah, nah, he's been playing a lot better, especially, I mean, just having a better point guard is going to help him a lot, too. Mm-hmm. And the shot looks like it's coming around a lot better now, too. Yeah, he's he's becoming a really good shooter, and with him already being an elite, like, athlete, being able to finish around the rim and everything, being able to develop that shot is only going to open up more lanes to the basket and everything. So Yeah, because if you're a smaller, because that was the thing going into the draft, he's like a 6'6", six, six, power four, six seven. So he's undersized, but he had the athleticism to make up for. But if you can be athletic and you can shoot, then like that opens up a lot for you and makes up for your being undersized. And he'll always have a place in the league just because teams love fours like him. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely that's just where I would. Have, but I can't argue with the Mitchell Robinson. But like I said, I would have had Miles Bridges. But um, with the tenth pick. As I just was talking about Miles Bridges, but I'm not going to take Miles Bridges just because of fit-wise. If it's, if this pick stays with Philadelphia, if they don't trade it, because they traded it to Phoenix, right? Yeah, they traded yeah. it to Phoenix. If they don't trade it to Phoenix, then I'm taking Mikael Bridges still. Yeah. I'm taking Mikael Bridges because a 3-and-D guy is exactly what Philly needed that year. Not even that. Like I feel like every team could use someone like him. Yeah, but I think especially Philly, especially with them needing floor spacing and them being an elite defensive team with Ben Simmons and Embiid, having somebody another elite defensive player right there that just would make your team even more complete. And who they trade him for was was it Dario Sarr? Um, no, nah, I said they traded for Zaire Smith and oh, Zaire Smith and the twenty twenty one Miami first. Who oh, Zaire okay. Smith kind of just flamed out the league. I actually kind of liked him going into the draft, but he was really undersized and just athletic and could dunk. That was literally all he could do. Yeah, so he didn't pan out. Um, so that so that so that even makes it even more that I feel like they should have took. Mikael um, but you know hindsight is always twenty twenty. But at the same time, during that time, I did want them to take Mikael because I was like a defensive, another defensive minded player to go along with your other defensive minded players mm-hmm. who can stretch the floor. I just feel because like, what like Mikael shooting really well. This he's shooting like thirty seven percent from the three, so he's shooting real well. And and he's a low usage guy too, where he doesn't need the ball out to be effective. Like he's just gonna you know get it when he gets it and shoots it exactly so that's just like just having because he's not gonna be a boomer bust superstar star whatever but a team a team like philly doesn't need a boomer bust star they should have been drafting for a fit in the you know go around just i i feel like the same way whenever their picks in the past whenever they drafted three straight bigs they were trying to go with the boom or bust out of final like one of these people are gonna blow 
I don't feel like they should do. They should take a big and then other people just fit around the bigs to go with it. And I just feel like Mikael would have been the perfect fit right there. But um, what He's about also, the... Well, no, nah, I was going to say to add in, he's actually become really good at stealing too or getting yeah. steals. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the part of being an elite defensive player. That's the that's the best part about it. That's what I'm saying. Like him playing such a good defense is amazing on that part. And with Ben Simmons and Embiid, that defense, I mean, the add on with like you know Tybal and stuff, that would have been crazy on defense. Oh my goodness, <laughs> yeah, that would have been. They could literally switch everything. It would have been that. That's that's really that that would have been really crazy. Too bad we'll never see that because he's he's doing well over there in Phoenix. He's a good fit there because it it allows to have somebody else to play defense. You need that elite defensive player alongside your scoring option. Like you yeah. have a really good star in Devin Booker. You need that somebody to be on the other side of the guard of the other team's best player, and you have somebody there. Mm-hmm. So I can't complain about that at all. Not at all. So what about the 11th pick? Uh, Charlotte or was it, was it Charlotte? Yeah, it was yeah, Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte took Shea and they traded this pick to the um. Yeah, Charlotte took Shea and traded it to the Clippers, right? And then the yeah. Clippers drafted Miles. Yeah, that's how it worked. Okay. Um, but we're still sticking with the Hornets, right? Yeah. So the Hornets, Miles Bridges is off the table for them, so he's not. Oh wait, or is he? Is he still there? I don't know. No, we haven't drafted Miles yet. We haven't drafted Miles yet. So, uh, it's your pick. Um, I kind of wanted to go with somebody else. I mean, go with somebody else. It's your draft. I think Do I'm gonna GM. go. I think I'm gonna go with Marvin Bagley here at the eleventh. I can pick. see that. Just because, just because, like I said, as a talent, and he's still like a he's a good scorer. And maybe in a different situation, that would have worked out. Because for some reason, the Kings, like, guards work for them. But I don't know what it is. Bigs, besides Boogie, haven't really panned out. Like, how Whiteside was, like, just terrible for them. But then went to the Heat, and then he was a lot better. So, I don't, maybe it's just old, bad luck or something, or development-wise. But maybe um, Bagley would be a lot better on another team like the Hornets. So. I definitely feel like in a different scenario, Bagley would be more elite. Um, I just don't know about the Charlotte scenario. But then again, I'm looking at Charlotte now, as in looking at them from right then. And I'm trying to think of who was on. They still had Kimba. Kimba. Yeah, so with Kimba and Batum and everything, Bagley would, yeah, it wouldn't be as bad because Bagley wouldn't really have too much pressure on him to really go in there and change the direction because Kim is going to lead most of it in Charlotte as bad as they were. They don't really have that rep as the Kings has. I don't think like it wouldn't have been as big of a deal. I'm not sure though. Cause at the same time, it does seem like a similar scenario, but I just, but when you think of Kings, you just think of bad. And, but then, <laughs> but then again, when you think of Charlotte, you think of Jordan. So yeah. I'm not sure how much that would have really changed. He could have, who knows? We'll never know, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure if much would have changed in that situation because their situations are similar. So you but, have uh, the Clippers at 12. Yeah. The Clippers, the Clippers. Now we're going to, they're going to keep Miles Bridges. They drafted Miles Bridges with that 12th pick. They're going to keep Miles Bridges because Miles Bridges is, Elite. So and this was this was 
Was this after they traded Blake or right before? I think it was... 2018? This might have been right before they traded Yeah, it was right Blake. before. Yeah, this was when Blake Griffin was signing that max. He so signed that max. they transitioned past Blake a lot better, mm-hmm. too. Miles yeah, Blake Griffin had just signed the max. Mid-season or whatever, that's when they traded him, so... So yeah, we, I'm 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 gonna keep him with that one. Um, and then it says the Clippers had the thirteenth pick. Too. Yeah, they had they had back to back picks. So I'm gonna keep them with somebody they drafted and later in that draft, and I'm gonna take Landry Shamet. Just cause. Uh, yeah. Well, no, I just I, like him because he's a. He's just a really good shooter, and anyone who can specialize in shooting, I uh, I think they have a lot of value in the league. I feel you. I feel you. However, there's another player on yeah. the board. Yeah, I've seen that, another shooter. That I'd rather take. I'd rather take a 3 and D guy. And like Gary Trent Jr. D though? Is he good on defense? Gary, yes, Gary Trent Jr. is a. I really a, like Gary Trent Jr. I just didn't know he was like that good on defense. Well, he's he's an above average defender. Oh, okay. he's an above average defender. Yeah. He prides himself on his defense, even though his defense isn't necessarily there. Yeah, he does pride himself on his defense, and he says he one day he wants to be defensive player of the year. But and like he has potential to be a he's not potential to be defense player of the year, but potential to be a really good defender. So being a three and D player, and we're seeing what he can do now. Being a you know a good score over there with the uh, Raptors. So I just think I would rather the Clippers take somebody like that. Cause we saw with him in Portland, he played a good role right there as the third option. Mm-hmm. So being over there with the Clippers being right there with Blake and them before they transitioned, I feel like they would have been, he would have been okay. Yeah. And even if once they transitioned away, he's a good young player that can just be there for a while and be a good scorer for the while. Number two, number three option until you find your next star. Yeah, no, nah, that definitely would have been. Uh, he's uh, he's probably one of the gems in this draft as late as he went. Yeah, so um, that's just that's just how I'm gonna go with it. But uh, since that was your pick and you took Landry Shaman, this is the last pick. Is it the yeah? This last pick of the lottery, last pick of the lottery with the 14th pick, the Denver Nuggets are gonna take. Gary Trent Jr. They're going to add that defense. They already had, like, Gary Harris and all of them, but Gary Harris didn't really pan out. And so they're going to go with Gary Trent Jr. to have that. It's not going to be Michael Porter Jr. It's not Michael Porter Jr., but I feel like that's a good enough second because he's still a good scoring option right there. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Nuggets need, another scoring option at the wing position, wing slash other guard position. So they would have been been a good – this is this was a really good uh draft because even with all those people taken, there was some people left out like uh DiVincenzo, I like Herder, um Simons is solid, Robert Williams, you got Duncan Robinson, uh Jalen Brunson, um Wendell Carter Jr. So there was still a lot of people out there. Yeah, there was. There's still a ton of people. Wendell Carter is somebody I wanted to take earlier, but it was usually one of the odd picks or one of the picks you had. That I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I can see window going there. Or, like, he didn't, like, most of them, it doesn't really seem with fit. Because you got to think uh, uh, somebody that needs a big. And since seven, we went with Jared Jackson because Jared Jackson got pushed back 
due to Luca and Michael Porter Jr. getting pushed up, uh, not a lot of there wasn't a lot of teams that necessarily needed bigs at the time. Yeah. After we did those top four picks, as those top four picks, it was like you're looking at the teams you're like, okay, they need a big, but we still have Jared Jackson on the board. They need a big, but we have DeAndre Ayton on the board. So. And the only other place we could see would be like New York, but you kept them with Mitchell Robinson. And so Mitchell Robinson and Window, they're not going to be able to be on the floor at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it's kind of tough to get them left out. Um, I don't – I mean, he obviously was going to still find a good home and whatever team landed him, they still were going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kevin Herter still there. Thanks. Good Thank shooter. Thank was the 54th pick. Was he? Yeah, got White Dante out there still. They had some good. They had some decent talent out there. Robert Williams, Aaron Holiday. I was really. I liked him a lot. I thought he was gonna be yeah. the best uh, Holiday brother, but it didn't turn out to be that way. So, uh, DeAnthony um, Melton. He's a really good defender, but he was taking it like the second round. Yeah, same with um, what's called? Who was it? Who was it? Who was it? Simon's had a game like two weeks ago where he had like nine straight threes or something crazy. Man, Simon's coming out of high school was that dude watching his mixtapes and watching his stuff. Like that that dude, I wanted him to succeed a lot. I want him I still want him to succeed because watching his mixtapes and everything, I still do. He 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 was so nice. He might be some somebody like a Rosier where like if he goes somewhere where he can start or play a lot more. Because he plays a lot on them, but I mean he's never gonna get a a lot of minutes behind Dame or um, absolutely TJ. not because Dame's there, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So this was a pretty solid draft, all in all. It's not one of those drafts where we really had to be like, "Dang, who are we really gonna be there?" Because we're gonna reach those drafts that are kind of weak, and we're gonna be like things like the 2013 draft. We're gonna be like, "Dang." Yeah, who because do we like take with the fifth pick, I feel like if a draft has one superstar, then that's good. But like this draft has like two, so like that's that's really good. Yeah, two two potential superstars, a couple all-star talents, and they have a lot of the solid players that be around in the league. I feel like that's not thought of enough. Like, there's a lot yeah, of jazz. Yeah, somebody who could just be in the league for seven, eight years. Is just yeah, exactly. Player. Not just be in there for a couple years and just not last past their rookie deal. Mm-hmm. So, them being like that, that's, that's, that's really good. I can't wait to see, what's that, the 2017 draft? Well, look at that. I can't. I can't wait to do that one. Oh yeah, this is gonna be an exciting one. Looking at this 2017. Yeah, this is All gonna right, be. Let me see that one real quick. Yeah, this is the draft with you know Bam, Lonzo, Tatum, Fox, oh, Isaac, Fox. folks, John Collins, Kyle Cool. Yeah, this is gonna be. This is gonna be some heat. We gotta make sure Wiley and Shamari on this one. This is. This is gonna be a. This is gonna be a good one. It's gonna Arkin be a really good one. Malik Monk. Oh, Donovan Mitchell. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, Dwayne OG Bacon. Adam shout OG. out home team hoops. Like this, this, this gonna be a, this gonna be an interesting one. We're definitely gonna have to jump into this one. But anyways, guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ath Geeks podcast. Always, 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 always remember to respect women. But most importantly, remember to respect yourself. And we out.